All right. Well, so, you know, one of the jobs when I think about talking to young people, I will not call you children, is to try and think of ways to make things simple and stick in your heads. So I'm going to try something. Let's see if it works before we get into our lesson. Who's got a Bible close at hand? You have one? He's got one. Who? Okay. Um, you, you have a Bible? Can you read it? Yeah? You can read it, though, huh? You want to try it? Uh, no, maybe not. Maybe we should pick a little older kid. You can find a spot in the Bible and read it. Okay, stand right here. No? Well, I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you what to read. Okay. Wait there. Who else? Who had a, okay, you come with me. Right here. Face the audience. Okay, so here's what I want from you. You look that up. You know your way around your Bible pretty well? Okay. That's the first book in the Bible. <laughs> Just a hint. And here's what I want from you. Can you find your way around the Bible? You can. Okay. Here's your... That's R-E-V. That's the last book in the Bible. Another hint. Okay, now I need one more Bible reader. Okay, right here. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is an adult pretending to be a child. <laughs> Turn around, face the, right here, okay. Here's what, you know your way around the Bible? Okay, this is neither the first nor the last book in the Bible. Okay. Did you find it? Okay, hang on. Did you find it? Okay, now I want you to listen to these verses, all of yes. And uh, tell me who said this. Who said that? No, it's about God. You remember? Who wrote Genesis? Who? Moses. Moses said that about God, and that's a description of the first creation, right? Don't go anywhere. Out of my way. He's still looking. Okay? Did he, so you saw the, you got three verses to read. One, two, and five. How can you read that tiny print? Whew. Okay, go for it. Revelation 21. Earth, first heaven and first earth. That's that one way down there. Okay. Lord 
adorned, mm -hmm. dressed up, fancy, like a wedding dress. Yeah, okay. Her husband, okay. As their God? Huh? Oh, man, I can't even see that. So, uh, did I already do John 3 Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. How about you skip down here to, do you see verse 5? Yep. Okay, try that one. This is 4, right? Looks like. I think I can't see those numbers. Here, let me help you here. You can read from mine because I have large print for old eyes. Okay, so you got down to he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Now verse 5. And he who ha has was, was seated. Period. That's where we stop, period. Okay, so new heavens, new earth, old heavens, the one way down there, passed away, and then we see this city coming down, and what's it called? The new, new Jerusalem. And then this voice of the one sitting on the throne said, I'm going to make all things new. All right, hold that thought. Old creation, first creation, new creation. Okay? Now let's see what this guy's been doing up here. What do we got here? Give us a reference and read the verses. John eleven twenty five through 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone, and every, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Okay. Does this make any sense to anybody? Well, I guess I'll explain it to you. We're talking about these people in Hebrews 11 and a little bit of 12, right? Still a little bit of 12, which we haven't got to yet tomorrow. Okay. Remember it said they were looking for an inheritance and a reward and a country and a city they're living now there's the first creation so what i want this this is very complicated no it's not really so we had the first creation which was fallen and and cursed but it's really a beautiful you know we're up here in god's creation and even in a cursed universe it's a pretty nice place to be right it's got its problems, but so we live in the old creation. The new creation is promised in the future, but when, and those words were for, who, who said that, what he just said? Jesus. Who's the he? Jesus, right, right. So when Jesus comes into the world, he brings the future into the present. That means you and me are living like this. We got one foot in the first creation, 
with its beauties and its problems, and another foot in the new creation, which is here because Jesus came, but it's not completely here because we're still waiting for new heavens, new earth, Jerusalem, and so forth. So if you can kind of visualize that idea, now we're going to talk about this both worlds for a minute, but I just thought maybe it would help us see. See, that's the big story of the Bible. First creation to new creation, but what happens in the middle when Jesus comes is they come together and they actually overlap. So all of us now are living in two worlds, and Hebrews 11 wants us to think about which is the most important world. Is it the old one that we live in, the one that we can see and taste and touch and handle, or is it that new one? And the heroes, the superheroes, were able to live in this world while they loved that world. All right, thank you for helping me. You can sit down now. Good job. So the point tonight, is everybody still awake? You look like you're fading. All right, now I'm going to try and keep this short because I don't want anybody to fall asleep before the Farnix show us the pictures of the Czech Republic because that is so cool. All right. To become a faith hero, you may have to become an outsider to everything you know and love. Two of the characters that are presented in this book, you still with me down here on the lunatic fringe? Yes? Okay. Um had to basically give up everything that they knew and loved and enjoyed because they were looking for that future. The first one, <coughs> first one is, I was going to talk about Noah, but I'm, apologies to Noah, I'm cutting him out in the interest of time. Abraham, verse 8 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, everybody listening? Okay. If you're looking at me, I'll assume you're listening to me. But if you're not even looking at me, I know you're gone. All right, listen up. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called, and he was called by God, remember the story? Called to go out of a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. God said, I'll show you the way, but you won't know you've gotten there until you get there. Right? Is that the way you remember it in Genesis? Good. For Sunday school and so forth? All right. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city. What's that city? What was it called? New Jerusalem. Right. Oh, I'm getting all tangled up. What's up with this? Uh, looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. So Abraham's living in Ur. 
which is kind of over in Iraq, which if you don't know where Iraq is, it doesn't help you to say that Ur is in Iraq, does it? And God said, leave your father's house, leave your culture, follow me, and we're going to a place that I will show you. And Abraham, because he was a superhero and had the superpower of what? God's superheroes have the superpower of what? Faith, faith. I drink and I know things. <laughs> These are religious people, guy. What are you wearing a shirt like that for? Because my camp t-shirt didn't fit. <laughs> huh? Oh, soaked in the water balloon flight. It's the old soaked in the water balloon flight <laughs> excuse, right? All right. So he leaves it all behind and he follows by faith and he actually got to the land of promise even though he didn't own the land of promise now we can't take this story very far out but take my word for it that the land was a picture of the new world the new creation Paul says in Romans that God promised Abraham and his descendants that they would inherit the world so the land and the world go together. So in going from Ur to the land of promise, Abraham is living, he's pointing to that future. How many of you have moved from one town to another? Okay. It's not that easy, right? You've got to pack up all your stuff, get it in the truck, go, then you have to unpack and so forth. How many of you have had to leave friends behind when you made one of these moves? Yeah, okay. That's not so fun. Maybe a school you leave behind. You leave behind your favorite, favorite swimming pool. Uh, maybe you lived right next door to Disneyland and now you move miles away. So, so there's something that is lost while you're gaining something even better. And that's the point. These people, like Abraham, were willing to leave everything that was familiar and even precious to them in order to follow God toward that future. Now, the other person that I want us to think about briefly is Moses, the guy who wrote that part that you read, right? Genesis and Exodus. Did Moses write anything else? The Blank books of Moses, the blank books of Moses, how many? Five. Five. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, all of that from Moses. Okay, Moses, by faith, another superhero, back to the same superpower. What's the superpower of God's heroes? Faith. Faith, that's what you were going to say, right? Yeah, see? Now, you're a girl, and your T-shirt fits fine. What's the problem here? <laughs> by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Remember that story? Put him in the basket, 
float him out on the river. Yeah, okay, hidden by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now Moses, by faith, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Remember I said two nights ago that one of the things that faith is able to do is to see what is invisible. The invisible God, that's what Moses was, that was where his loyalty was, and the invisible future because it hasn't arrived yet. So Moses goes from being in a Hebrew family, and the Hebrews were slaves, right, in Egypt. His parents saved his life. They floated him on the river, and who picked him out of the other, who picked him out of the river? You guys remember? Pharaoh's daughter, right. And so Pharaoh's daughter would probably be a princess, right? She was a princess. And now he becomes, in effect, her son. And so he is in the household of Pharaoh. And it references the, the riches, the treasures of Egypt. So he goes from a pretty junky existence as a slave to being, well, potentially maybe even a Pharaoh himself. You know, who knows, if he had stayed in Pharaoh's household and Pharaoh died or was overthrown, maybe Moses would have become the king of Egypt. Who knows? But he remembered that he belonged to God's people, and when he was an adult, and there are details in the story that you know if you've read the story, he decided not to continue in that place of privilege, but to make himself nothing by going back and identifying with the slaves. He let go. Matter of fact, he renounced great privilege and opportunity because, again, he's looking forward. So what's all this got to do with us? We live in the first creation with all of its beauties, all of its pleasures, and its sin, but because we have come to faith in Christ, remember Christ is the one who brought the future into the present because we love and trust Jesus, now we're cherishing and prizing that inheritance, that reward, that city, that country, all of the different ways it's described, that new creation, more than our present situation. Now, a lot of times we can live with one foot in one world and one foot in the other world, and there's not a lot of tension. But every once in a while, we have to make a choice. Is it going to be the old world and its pleasures, its opportunities, or is it going to be that future world? And the challenge is, if we're going to be like these faith heroes, 
that we will see what is unseen, the God who is invisible and the invisible future, and we will say no to this present world in favor of that future world. Now, I can think of lots of ways that I could apply this, but let me just mention two, and I'm not going to develop them. When you get back to your rooms, you can ask your mom and dad, what was that guy talking about? Okay? God shapes time by the Sabbath. And so, from the very beginning, God created and then he rested and then he told us as human beings to rest and then work and then rest and then work and right down to today God wants us to keep the Sabbath it's the fourth commandment or is it the sixth commandment or is it the second commandment it's four okay all right all right that's what I thought um and the book of Hebrews tells us that that Sabbath in the present is a picture of the future. And so in a sense, when we go to church on Sunday and we worship God and we keep his Sabbath, we are participating in that life of the future. But here's the thing, we live in a culture that cares nothing about the Sabbath, right? Shops are open, Sports teams play, CYT plays are performed, and you don't have to go very far in your life before you're going to have to start making choices about the Sabbath and the pleasures and enjoyments. You know, when our kids were small, they didn't sign up for certain sports programs because we knew and they knew that they were going to have to play games on Sunday and they were going to have to choose. Am I going to worship God or am I going to go to Little League? That's a tough choice for a kid to make. That's why God gave you parents to help you make that. But that's one place where over and over again, you know, it's like our church people, every Sunday they have to decide, am I going to go worship God or am I going to do something else? Maybe I'll go to the beach or go to the mountains or, or stay home and watch a football game. And every single day then it's like, okay, I'm living in two worlds. Which way am I going to go? For this old world or am I going to opt for the new world by keeping God's Sabbath? That's just one example. And the other one that I want to mention, because you're all being schooled, maybe you're homeschooled, maybe you go to Christian school, maybe you go to public school, but... That's the place where this world forms people's minds. And we want to make sure that our minds are formed in the light of that future. So, things that we learn in school, classes that we take, we're often faced, and this usually happens when you get up into the upper high school grades or into the university, particularly if you're being taught by non-believers. And you're going to have to be like Daniel. Am I going to think like the Babylonians or Moses thinking like the Egyptians? Or am I going to think like the Bible, think like my Lord Jesus, and live my life in light of that future? John says it slightly differently, and I'm just going to read this for you to finish our time right now. 
He says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world. And what he means is the first creation, this world. But we do love the world. The world is a lovely place. And there's a lot of wonderful things about it. And as long as it doesn't come into conflict with the world to come, then we can enjoy the world. But we have to hold it really loosely. We can't cling to it like we can't live without it. Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, God, is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. So there's the conflict again. If there has to be a choice, then we need to make the faith choice, the superpower choice of loving God and serving Him rather than what the world has to offer. Because the world is passing away. That one is going away because it's going to be displaced, glorified by the one that is to come. Just think, if Abraham, when God said, follow me, and Abraham said, no. That'd be a mess, right? There'd be no us as believing people. What if Moses had said, you know, I really like to be in the palace. I think maybe one day I'm going to be Pharaoh. Besides, I got great food and lots of money. So I think I'm going to skip that slave business. Again, the whole system collapses. We're not as famous as Abraham or Moses, but we're going to have to make some heroic choices. And I think when... You get out of bed on a Sunday morning and you think, I am going to go worship God and I am going to keep his Sabbath. You are being heroic and acting by faith. And when you hear people trying to teach you things that say there is no God, there's no real meaning in the Bible, and you say, no, I'm holding on to this God and to this Bible, you're making a heroic choice to live by faith. That's how you become a superhero of God, little by little, decision after decision. All right, so you got it? Are we done here for now? You're going to come back and listen to the Farnix in a few minutes? You know, you shove all of those cookies in your mouth and come back in. It doesn't take long to have a snack. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that that future world is not only coming, but in the Lord Jesus, it's here, and you have called us into it. And you've left us in the world, and we enjoy what the world has to offer. When there's no conflict, we know that there is sin in the world, and there are seductions and temptations, and we want to resist those, but we really want to live like Abraham and Moses and these other faith heroes always thinking about that future and letting the prospect of that future dictate the way we live our lives each day. Please make us Sabbath keepers, not because it's the fourth commandment and we have to do it, but because on the Sabbath we get a taste 
of that glorious future as we assemble with your people to worship you and as we rest from our labors in communion with you. And as we grow in our education and we're confronted with more and more ideas that contradict the Bible, that assume that there is no God, no Jesus, no cross, no forgiveness of sins, no Holy Spirit, no transformed life, all of that is out the window. We pray that we will not let our education steal those precious realities from us. Again, because we're looking for that inheritance, that city, that country that you have prepared for us. Lord, I thank you for these young people. I thank you that they're listening. Um, and I pray that this stuff will stick in their minds. Be with their parents as they continue to disciple them in the scriptures. May your spirit work powerfully in our lives. We pray for our covenant children who have opted for the world. Maybe a relationship that you forbid. Maybe pleasures that you say are sinful. Maybe a self-indulgence that just seems beyond resistance. They've made the wrong choice, Lord. Will you grant them repentance that they might return, like the prodigal, to you and to us as the believing family? And we ask, O oh God, that we might yet see them repent and return and uh, join us in looking for that city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And to Jesus Christ, our Savior and King, and with him you, Father, and you, Holy Spirit, may there be all the glory and praise. Amen.